the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Greetings. Welcome for the Thursday edition, the July 30th edition of the Stay Home with John and Kathy. Kath, good to see you as well. How are you? I am well, John, and I have good news for you. Wait, 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 wait. This is, uh, we're not necessarily in a good news, mm-hmm. what, tunnel lately, are we? No, we haven't had a lot of good news, especially no. in today's news, but I am bringing you good news in spite okay. of today's news. Well, please, I would love to be the recipient of any good news you could ferry our way. Okay, well, listen, this is some stuff that I am excited about. I read an article in USA Today. It's called Good News Prevails, 100 Positive Things That Happened in 2020 So Far. <laughs> okay. Look, I don't need 100. I mean, I could do with two. Okay. Well, I'm not going to give you 100, and I'm not going to give you two. All I'm right. going to go for something in between. All right. I'll take it. Are you ready for some good? Please. Now, these are things you're going to look back on, things that have happened already, oh. 2020. Let us begin here. Okay. Start off strong. Drive-in movie theaters made a comeback. Oh, of course. That's very good news. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've been proponents of drive-in theaters for many years. You have. And now they're, yeah, I have, right? I dragged you to a couple of drive-ins. Mm-hmm. I'm happy that they're back. Terrific. However, the selection of movies at the drive-in. Pretty lame. Really, the, the horrible, just the worst. We got to watch uh, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning play golf with Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods. That is not necessarily good news. That was super fun. I loved I'm, it. Yeah, that really is. Okay. John Kravin, uh, Krasinski made good news go viral with his some good news thing that he put up on YouTube, which I loved so much. It was viewed by, I don't know, something like 300 million people. All Lots of, of fun. The aggregate over the time. It, it didn't last long, though, did it? He sold it. <laughs> yeah, he sold it. He didn't feel he like. sold it. it. Well, it caught on so fast. He felt uh, like he couldn't keep up with the demand. And so he sold it to a team of people who are going to keep it up. So it was okay news for us, but it was really good news it was for really John good Krasinski. News for him. That's all. Uh, the, now, this is great. This is a story we never talked about in the air, but I read it. The Barcelona Opera. Okay. It missed its opening night for obvious reasons, and so they performed to a completely full concert hall, but instead of people, houseplants. I saw that. I love that. Right. Thousands of houses or hundreds Thous- of houseplants. Hundreds of house, Maybe uh, even thousands. Could be. Uh-huh. Uh, people around the country, John, brushed up on their sewing skills, making masks for all sorts of people. Did you? No, but because your wife made them for me. Right. I did not. Did you ever take home ec? Yes, I did. I was very bad. Were you? Yeah. Was there like a particular skill that you actually hated more than anything? Uh, Sewing. I was good at the cooking part. Okay. The sewing part, I was really uh, behind the rest of the class. Let's put it that way. That's all right. I mean, you know, just, you know, just take a pandemic to sort of fire those skills up again. Yeah, exactly. Right. (laughs) Tiger King somehow connected us. I didn't watch it. I don't care about it. People got creative about reimagining, (laughs) reimagining their vacations. What do you mean? 
There's no, is there a vacation? Oh, we're going on vacation. That's right. We are. So we're yeah. going to reimagine it, right? I have. You're, yeah, you're, you're right, not going right. to the beach and I'm not going to the beach. So we're going nope. to reimagine it. Nope. That's right. Okay. Okay. That's good news. Americans rushed to adopt foster pets uh, amid the <laughs> pandemic. Okay. That's I think that's news. an awesome thing. Can you, awesome can you thing. still get a dog? Do you think? I mean, are all the dogs gone? Every dog in America has been adopted. You know how, no. uh, right? No more dogs. We're that is dogs. not true. Whatever. You have to buy a bike. I can't buy no, a bike. What you're saying is completely wrong. There are a lot of dogs. Just like go onto the Animal Friends website. You'll right. see a lot of dogs, okay. not to mention cats. Okay. Uh, gonna, you gotta, wait, wait. Mike just got a new house. Does that mean Mike is going to get a new dog? Absolutely. Yes. Yay. Very yeah. good. Mm, yeah. It's man's That's best true. friend. That's so good. I would, yeah. I sorry, Kath. I know you love cats, but I'm, I'm allergic yeah. to cats. So. No, you That's okay. Dogs. You can, you you can love dogs. dogs. I, I'm all of cats. Um, <laughs> we rediscovered our love for old hobbies like baking and gardening. Mm-hmm. Did you make bread during uh, this enclosure? No, but I made no. a lot of other things. Okay. Made mm-hmm. a lot of things. Puzzles and board games became cool again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we've got friends who have framed their uh, their games, their board games. That's fun. And their, and their puzzles, yeah. Sure, I like that. I've got a, um, I've got, if anybody wants that, i got a Monopoly game in my office. Yeah, we don't want okay. that, but thank behind you. Behind the door. <laughs> TikTok blew up and kind of cured our boredom with like learning dances and seeing fun cat and dog videos. I've never watched an episode of TikTok. Have you? What? I've never. I can't believe that. Nope. I'm going to send you one. I'm sending you one when we get off the air here. You're gonna Are you laugh. in it? You're gonna, no, you're okay. going to laugh so hard. Um, distilleries around the country use their resources to make badly needed hand sanitizer. Okay, that is good news. Use, uh, major companies like 3M and Apple pulled resources to make millions of masks. Like Ford, GM, and Tesla made ventilators and other medical devices. Good news, yeah. Mm-hmm, exactly. Crayola launched a box of crayons with diverse skin colors for children to accurately color themselves into the world. Okay, all right. I love That's that. Good news. Good we crap. learned that homeschooling is hard, and we finally recognize teachers for the heroes they are. God bless them. Amen. That is good news, yeah. Mm-hmm. Bird watching's back. Oh, yeah. I bird watch out here in the backyard. I know you do, yeah, but you were much. the only one. Now all sorts mm-hmm. of people are doing it. Good. Bike trails became one of the few places mm-hmm. in the country that were open. Mm-hmm. Um, we came up with creative ways to celebrate milestones like drive-by birthdays and Zoom <laughs> right. parties. Uh-huh. I've done right. a few That's of those. Mm-hmm. Um, for the first time ever, the Academy Award for Best Picture went to an international feature film. Remember Parasite? Oh, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you liked Goodness. that one. Uh, six-year-old little boy we talked about. Uh, saved his little sister from an attacking dog. Mm, very good news. And then the Avengers rallied around him and called him a hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cast of Parks and Rec came back to do I their special, it. which was so good. Very good show. Um, speaking of babies, did you know that a couple welcomed identical quadruplets? Whoa, really? Amid the coronavirus pandemic. It's high risk and very rare, but the baby boys are three months old and thriving. Whoa, fabulous. Is this identical, here in the United States? I, yeah, identical quadruplets. Whoa, that's incredible. Can Isn't you imagine that? Weird? that? Yeah, were there other siblings before the uh, quadruplets came along, I wonder? Uh, I, don't I don't know the family. answer to that. Like you, you know, you're like a single child. All of a sudden, boom, you got four brothers and sisters coming your way. We finally appreciated our hairstylists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys don't care, but I really care. I Fun. really care. Late night talk hosts took their thing home and they became very funny with their kids and their houses and everything mm-hmm, like that. Yeah. Uh, wearing sweatpants and T-shirts became acceptable fashion. Oh, yeah. Uh, while the coronavirus pushed many museums to close, all of a sudden you could go online and look at their collections. Yes, I've done that. Which I thought was super fun. Mm -hmm. And that's just a smattering, John, of the hundred positive things that happened in 2020. That is a lot of good. Don't you? Did that pick you up a little? 
Not particularly. No, <laughs> not really. I mean, because we're still stuck at home and there's no I mean, end in sight. Mike, I try so darn hard. I appreciate you it. That? He I does. Mean, what? You guys what? What's the did matter, that lift John? you up? Did that make you feel good? It yeah. did. Yeah, it made me feel good. Thank you, Mike. All right. Okay. Okay. You're better people than I am. Driving movies are you back. Yeah. Driving movies. Plus, plus bird watching. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. good. Woo! Look at yeah. that Oriole. Hey, oh, all right. Go. It's. It's National Chili Dog Day. Does that mean something to you guys? I like a chili dog myself. Do you have a favorite hot dog shop? Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't eat hot dogs, so no, I don't. Oh, then you want to have a you want to have a chili dog? Do you, I've never you had, had a chili dog. What? <laughs> Why you guys? No, I've never had a chili dog. Wow. What? What? How do you not have a chili dog? <laughs> That's like well, un-American. Never, I didn't know it was going to turn weird. into this. That's so weird. You've never – I can't believe that. I thought like everybody in America said it. Yeah. Why? No. What would, do you like chili? I love chili. But you're not a big fan of hot dogs. I'm not a huge fan, no. Never I, felt I, the need to have a chili dog. I never did. Really? Mm-mm. When I would go to the O, that was one of my – you know, sort of like my second dog, second choice. That's awesome. Really? Huh? So are you guys going to celebrate today with a dog? Uh, No, I don't think hmm. so. No, no. no. Neither. Oh, really? Neither one of you. All right, no. forget it. Yeah, last time I had a dog, though, it was a chili dog. I'll tell you that. A couple you know weeks th- ago. Did you know that they're known as Coney dogs? Oh, I did not know that. Like oh, Coney shit. Island. Yeah. Goodness. Yeah, food historians believe that although these hot dogs smothered in chili are named after the famous amusement park, they may actually have been born in Michigan, which means that they have no idea why they're called mm. Coney dogs. All right, fine. I'm going to tell you what's coming up on today's <laughs> okay. show. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. I mean, that was kind of some good news, a little I bit. Tr- kind man, of good news. I brought my best. It I mean, flopped. Well, I mean, it's, no, it's probably just me and my mood, I think. I think probably. it is. Sorry, I'll be honest my, with you. My yeah. bad. All right. In our five o'clock hour, we'll talk about uh, Representative John Lewis laid to rest today. Also, we'll talk about the meaning of race. Uh, we talked about it a lot on our show with pastors, with writers, with you know poets, you name it. But never before have we talked to a geneticist about what medicine can tell us about what race actually is. So that's Dr. Joshua Swamidas in the five o'clock hour. But coming up next, one of our favorite guests, Jerry Boyer, will be with us. Uh, the U.S. economy posted a record downturn today. Um, that was the bad news we were trying to stay away from in the opening segment. But mm-hmm. Jerry will help us to decipher what it means for you and me in this era. So thank you for being here. It's the Thursday edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy. Stay close. WORD. And they lived happily ever after. Ever wonder if they did? That's why Family Life Today wants to give you their Take Your Marriage from Good to Great bundle with online marriage videos, audio sessions, and downloads of an ebook, a couple quiz, and a questionnaire. You'll also be entered to win Dinner for Two with Family Life Today's Dave and Ann Wilson and attend a live taping of the program. Sign up to win now at wordfm.com slash marriage. This Sunday, Harmony Baptist Church continues their summer outdoor church services with the award-winning Farm Hands Quartet. 7 p.m. August 2nd at Harmony Baptist Church in Newcastle. Don't miss this amazing evening drive-in service with one of the most exciting bluegrass bands in America. 
a free will offering will be taken. For details and directions, visit myharmonybaptistchurch.org. Facing a layoff near retirement? You may have some important decisions to make regarding your 401k. If you don't work there, should your money stay? This decision could be important to achieving your retirement goals. This is Ethan Lane, Associate Advisor with Accurate Solutions Group. Our team has worked with many families with these types of decisions and understand your options. With taxes at historic lows, we can look at options for your 401k that could save you on taxes down the road. Our team at Accurate Solutions Group is offering a 10-step layoff survival guide. For your complimentary copy, call or text REVIEW to 412-515-3555. Accurate Solutions Group is ready to assist you. For your copy or to schedule your complimentary 401k review, call or text REVIEW to 412-515-3555. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Neither the firm nor its representatives can provide tax advice. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. The buckets you buy at Ace hold paint, dirt, and debris. But our Children's Miracle Network buckets hold so much more, like dreams, hope, and care for children. Because over the last 29 years, with your help, Ace has raised over $125 million for local CMN hospitals. So stop by your local Ace this weekend to make a $5 donation and get a 5-gallon bucket plus 20% off almost anything that fits inside it. Offer valid on regular price merchants. Additional exclusions apply. See store for details. Can an evening of inspiration and music really save the lives of families in the Caribbean and Latin America? Experts report that starvation might soon become famine in many of the communities where access to food has been cut off. Join Food for the Poor Thursday, August 13th at 7 p.m. Eastern for a virtual national celebration, We Are One. You'll experience the power of unity to save the lives of families impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. RSVP today for this free event at foodforthepoor.com forward slash one food for the poor.com forward slash o n e well this is a, a dark dark day here in the united states as far as unemployment job numbers economic growth i mean holy smokes you see these and you think that we're so off the charts it, it's sort of broken record keeping since 1947 you're going back to the great depression i don't know even how to put a exclamation point on this that's why we invited jerry boyer with us jerry's a regular guest on our show talking here about the economy numbers uh jerry's the editor of town hall finance Jerry, welcome to the show how are you today i'm fine how are you good real good always happy to have you good. with us All right, Jerry. So the headline is U.S. economy posts record downturn. Uh, Talk about what contributes to that. Well, what contributes to that is um, retail um, uh, basically was completely destroyed. You remember uh, last time I was on with you, we talked about the economy, how I described it. I said we'd have a flaming pit of death. Yes. Um, Right. Okay. So. So. Right. That's. Yeah. uh, Yes and no. It was here. And this is one of the challenges of dealing with economic news is that a whole lot of metrics are lagging metrics. Okay. So this, um, what, what the number that came out today has nothing to do with today. It has nothing to do with anything this month. Um, it's, it's, it's four months ago. It's a period of time starting four months ago. It's second quarter, right? Um, so it's the, it's the beginning of April, it's April and, you know, and after that. So it really is largely, it's kind of like, you know, you see a supernova in the sky and a, and a star blew up. 
but maybe that was a million years ago. Now, this I wasn't see. a million years ago. This was, you know, three months ago, uh, two and a half months ago. But you can kind of have the impression, see, the headline makes people think the economy is really, really bad. Um, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But this headline says absolutely nothing at all about how the economy is now. It tells us about how the economy was last quarter. Oh, that's really good. Okay. So a snapshot we just saw today of the last three months, April, May, June. Now here we are at the end of July, a new quarter started. But I guess, Jer, I mean, things aren't great, are they? And unemployment is still pretty high as well. Yeah, 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 and unemployment isn't the main thing anyway. Um, um, but unemployment matters to the people who are unemployed. Um, it doesn't tend to matter a whole lot to the overall economy uh, because, unfortunately, the people who are getting laid for social reasons, unfortunately, the people who are getting laid off tend to be people who are low wage earners. So that's a social disaster. Uh, but in terms of economics, our economy doesn't run on nail salons and, you know, on busboys and, and, you know, on retail clerks, et cetera. Um, so you can have a fair amount of economic output and still have very li- and, and large layoffs in those kinds of low wage jobs. I mean, the tragedy is these are people without margin. Right. So we need compassion. We need unemployment compensation. We probably need to up unemployment compensation to make them whole. It's not their fault. You know, so they should they should not lose anything. But we also shouldn't let make let us um, we shouldn't let that make us think that the entire economy is bad based on that number, because unemployment is largely a number um, that drives politics more than it drives actual economics. So, see, what I can't do is I can't, as I'm, as I'm tracking the economy on a daily basis, I can't say April, May, June, that over three months, now we're now looking back a month to estimate what happened in April, May, June. Instead, I have to look every day. So March was horrible. April was horrible. May, there was a lot of coming back and a lot of improvement. And in June, there was a lot of improvement. And there's been a significant amount of improvement in July. So instead of taking all those three months and reducing them down to one number, did you have a good week or did you have a bad week? Well, Monday and Tuesday were terrible, but Wednesday was okay and Thursday was really great and Friday was great. Right? I mean, that's, you, you can ask, did you have a bad week? Did you have a bad quarter? Yeah, we had a horrible quarter. But almost all of that horrible was in the first month of that quarter. And a lot of, you know, the second two months were some of the best improvements we've ever seen in 30 or 40 years. So the story is a little bit more nuanced than the headline of, um, of you know, the, uh, lo- the biggest contraction in a three-month period in all history. Jerry Boyer is with us. Jerry is the editor of Town Hall Finance. Jerry, let's talk about some sectors of the economy that are really struggling. You mentioned retail is one of them. And then let's talk at some sectors of the economy that you feel are looking up. Well, the whole entertainment economy, except when you have to show up physically, is doing beautifully, right? We're, um, I'm not sure culturally I'm wild about the fact that we are now totally addicted to binge streaming. Um, but as, as, as a business, social media and streaming services and music streaming services are doing extremely well. Um, I think technology in general has done well. 
because there's a lot, you know, programmers can work from home, et cetera. Construction is actually picking up rather well. Housing okay. is picking up rather well. I mean, you don't, um, building houses is not as dangerous in terms of uh, COVID risks as, say, a nail salon. So there's a lot of things that get shut down and stay shut down longer than other things. So I think what we have to do is kind of like pick those things apart. Let the picture be as detailed as it can. So let me go back. The la- last time I was with you, I said it's a flaming pit of death. Okay, that's um, all right. But it's a flaming pit of death that we are climbing out of very, very quickly. There are a number of metrics that in May and June were most improved we have, we've ever seen in history. Manufacturing output, for example, would be one of them. Manufacturing sentiment would be another. So it was a tremendous collapse. It fell hard, but it's coming back up fast. But we have not cleared the rim of that flaming crater of death. We're still underwater. We're going we're gonna to end up with a lost year here. That's most likely that, you know, what, what the, the contraction this year and the growth next year will net out to zero. Um, so, so we are coming out quickly, but we're coming out quickly from a depth that's so low, it's going to take time to get out of there. I see. So then what does that look like uh, short term, you know, towards the end of the year or next year? COVID continues. People tend to stay at home. Things are still shut down. Restaurants, theaters, although there is construction, you're saying. I mean, uh, if it's a wash, how do you not even rebuild from a wash, but how do you sort of energize or pump things together so you can start to build in a more solid way? Well, I think, you know, people are arguing about what's the shape of the recovery. Is this a V-shaped recovery? And some people say, no, it's an L. We'll stay down forever. Um, and some people say, it's, oh, no, it's more like a square root symbol or something like that or check mark. What I say is different sectors of the economy will, will have a different shape. We've definitely seen V's in places, right? And we've seen V's in construction. We've seen V's in manufacturing in, in many ways. They're coming back strong um, because that's their nature. Uh, but things like concerts um, and things like uh, movie theaters, I mean, that could be an L for a while or, a, or a, um, a square root symbol or something like that. Some things are going to come back more slowly and that there's going to be a kind of a, oh, um, we, sh- we shut it down and then we opened it up and then there was a spike of in- infection. So then we shut it down again and then we opened up it again. But there's going to be like a stuttering in some states for some kinds of activities. So some things are going to be like a check mark. See, we want a really simple story, right? The economy is terrible or the economy is great. The answer is the economy was really awful. Um, I-, I mean, just unbelievably bad in March and April. And it has improved significantly since then, but not every sector is going to improve. There's not a thing called the economy. That's a name that we give to 330 million people doing different things. So some parts are doing well and will do well, and some parts are going to be suppressed for a long time. Jerry Boy is with us. He's the editor of Town Hall Finance. Jerry, on yesterday's program, we talked about uh, a change that the uh, film industry made, where instead of having to wait 75 days for films to go from movie theater to streaming, now they've moved it to 17 days. And to me, that's just one of those things that once the horse is out of the barn, I mean, that's never going back. Um, I agree. And so I wonder, yeah, I wonder if, if you can see other, um, whether it's sectors in the economy or metrics, however you look at it, that you think, okay, this could signify a permanent change. 
Well, I think you've pointed to one of them. The streaming services now own the process. I don't think mm-hmm. that movie theaters are ever really going to be the same again. Um, I, yes, I'm not saying they're shut down forever, but there was already overcapacity. So a lot of what COVID did is, you know, COVID didn't do new things to us. The COVID, the crisis, the pandemic, the shutdown altogether, what they did is they took trends that were already in place and they accelerated them. COVID basically shot us three years into the future. Um, so we were already trending towards e-commerce. Now we're much more trended towards e-commerce. We were already trending towards streaming services as opposed to uh, other forms of entertainment. Now we're, the, you know, we're there now. We're not going to go back. You know, people, they, they weren't used to it. Now they're used to it. Now they, they have all their passcodes set up. They've got their Netflix or their Peacock or their Hulu or whatever. They've gone through the trouble of signing up for it. They, you know, they have the credit card number. They're used to it now. It's, it's habit. It's, it, frankly, it's kind of addictive. It's habit forming. I'm concerned culturally about our addiction to easy streaming entertainment. There's a, you know, going to the movies is, a, is effort, right? So you don't just like go to the movies all the time to the movie theater, but it's so easy to just sit down and binge watch three seasons of something. So I'm a little concerned about that culturally. It's great business. It's great for those businesses. So I think, I think a lot of things are changing. I don't think any of us have really figured it out. I think church might not ever be the same or won't be the same for a long time. Um, I think the church model is going to be tried and we're going to be moving more towards online learning when it comes to church. There was already a motion in that direction. There were already a lot of people who were duns. You know, they like they didn't go to church anymore. They didn't, you know, they didn't weren't getting anything. Sort of switched over mainly to other sources of information. I'm not justifying it. I know that people are going to want to scold and quote Hebrews about assembling together. I'm just describing something that was happening. I think you'll probably have more of that. I think a lot of people were going to church out of habit. Well, if the habit's broken, then they don't go to church out of habit. Um, so we as Christians are going to have to figure out sort of new ways to engage in this new world once, once we can no longer depend on the habit of going to church. And once now everyone's competing with anything available on the Internet anywhere, I think we're going to be forced into new wineskins pretty quickly or fail, you know, and not be able to carry out our mission. I think a lot of churches are going to shut down. I think a shockingly large number of churches are going to shut down. And I think a lot of small religious institutions are going to shut down. And a lot of small businesses are going to shut down. There's a real winnowing going on that's going to leave us changed in ways that I don't think any of us can anticipate. That's fascinating. Jerry Boyer with us, editor of Town Hall Finance. So, Jerry, in many ways, what, you, what you've described is a, a large storm comes through the area and many trees that uh, were, you know, sort of surviving have been knocked over or ruined. And there's been a, a deep pruning back. Is that a fair enough analogy to look at America with this COVID storm? Yes. And painful because my, a tree trunk, my tree trunk just fell into the alleyway today and i had to rush out there in an emergency and and saw it off and pull it in so that was a flashback for me yeah so yeah like a storm comes through and uh, you know and uh uh and something you know a trunk gets broken i think this time it was a fedex truck that knocked down the thing or to use a you know a biblical analogy actually that is a biblical analogy i think it's in one of the psalms um but another biblical analogy is if there's a foundation if there's a foundation built on sand along come rain comes rain and a flood then it's washed away another biblical analogy is an earthquake that thing, the world is shaken so that the things that cannot be shaken will remain so we're going to have the opportunity in our generation of seeing what can and cannot be shaken we're going to see what's left 
I, and I, for one, don't want to spend a lot of time lamenting what's going and what's going away, what was yes. shakable. I want, I would really want Christians to be focused on what's next. And I'm not saying I have the answers, but I think the answer is in focusing on what's next. What is the new thing that God is doing in the world and how can we be part of it rather than, oh, the old thing was nice and I, it was comfortable and I was used to it. Um, and, you know, I'm just going to talk about that going away rather than thinking, okay, that's part of God's plan in the world. Things get lost, but partly that creates some opportunities for new things. That's Jerry Boyer with us, editor of Town Hall Finance. We need to take a break. But when we come back, we'll talk to Jerry about big tech companies before Congress over the last couple of days. Are they in denial about uh, the risks they're taking with what a lot of people think is political bias? We'll talk about that and much more. It's the ride home. This summer, turn your yard into the perfect getaway. Whether it's a lawn spruce up, a fresh coat of paint, or a s'mores-worthy patio upgrade, HomeAdvisor has the best landscapers, painters, handymen, and more to get the job done right. With the HomeAdvisor app, it's never been easier to check prices, schedule, and pay for hundreds of everyday home projects in just seconds. For any project you're dreaming of, you can count on HomeAdvisor. So get the HomeAdvisor app, and we'll do everything to fix up your everything. Hey, Mike, how's the house coming along? (sighs) Needs a ton of work. The pipes are leaking. Needs a new roof. The AC just broke. I just don't have time to do it all myself. You know anyone? Oh, just ask HomeAdvisor. They match you with the best local pros for any home project. Cool. Yeah, you can read reviews and book appointments online. What's it cost? Actually, HomeAdvisor is always free to use. Nice. I'll check it out. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free app. HomeAdvisor. We're all thinking a lot more about staying safe these days. Windows R Us Pittsburgh is no different. When it comes to working around your home, Windows R Us remains committed to the safety of you and your family. For roofs, gutters, and downspouts, siding, and of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company. And all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for a free repair or replacement. Visit windowsoruspittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of the highly trained appraisers. You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry from a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. Why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company, WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. That's WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. Hey, ready to go? I sure am. My sleep has been great ever since I started treatment for sleep apnea. Well, nearly 30 million adults have it, including me. Now, let me guess. It was your snoring that gave it away? Oh, yes, it was. Intense snoring is one of the classic signs. Other signs include gasping for breath during sleep and daytime sleepiness. If untreated, the risk of heart disease and stroke increases. I didn't know that, but I'm glad to hear the treatment can help. Certainly can. To learn more about the warning signs, visit DefendSleep.com. Coming down the home stretch is Liberty Mutual, followed by Customizes Your Car Insurance. But wait, from the back comes So You Only Pay For What You Need. So it's Liberty Mutual, Customizes Your Car Insurance, So You Only Pay For What You Need. And I'm pretty sure this is just an elaborate insurance ad. Liberty, 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 Liberty. 
This is Kathy Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers, and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting the ride home. 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, play the word Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and at radio.com. Cloudy for tonight with a shower or thunderstorm around low 67. Friday, sunshine and clouds high 82. Friday night, cloudy, low 63. Clouds and sun on Saturday with a shower or thunderstorm high 81. Sunday, cloudy and humid with showers and a thunderstorm high 82. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Andy Robb. back with jerry boyer jerry is the editor of town hall finance Jerry, yesterday the uh, ceos of america's most influential technology companies amazon apple google facebook they were all brought before congress and they sat down to answer questions to delve into the business can you talk about that from your perspective what was that all about uh, from my perspective, the American people have some real concerns about the fairness of these institutions, and they have good reason to be concerned about it. And that's being reflected in the House, which is the, the unit of government that's closest to the people. There is a sense that these institutions have their thumb on the scale when it comes to cultural, religious, and political questions. Um, and the, given the fact that their influence is growing so much, the more, and that's part, partly that's, um, you know, the pandemic, gives them more influence and power because we turn to them for connectivity, well, then that brings also with it more scrutiny. Um, and I think for the most part, they're in denial about it. Um, I have been in contact um, with one of these companies at a high level in, in, ter- in terms of talking to them about this issue. You know, we'll, we'll leave the, which one will leave confidential because I want the conversation to be confidential. Talking, the, talking to them about protection of religious liberty for their employees. Um, one particular CEO, very strongly supportive of the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender agenda. Um, they have that in the diversity statement. And I've been, what I'm asking is, okay, that's great. You should protect the rights of gay people. What about a Southern Baptist? Well, you know, they're not a disadvantaged group, really. In in San Francisco, they're not a disadvantaged group. I'm sorry, they are. Religious conservatives are in your environment. So I'm trying to you know reason with companies where I have a stake in the portfolio. Um, I think that it might begin to be breaking through a little bit. I think Mark Zuckerberg was maybe a little more. He's the only one who has any conservatives on his board, by the way. Um, he has one conservative on his board. I think Zuckerberg might be sort of catching up to it a little bit. Um, so I think that they're in denial. They've been pushing a left-wing agenda because they've been told that's the low-risk direction for the company, and it turns out that that's actually a high-risk direction for the company because the Department of Labor – I just spent the day writing an analysis for the Department of Labor on ways in which the politicization of these companies um, is hurting retirees. Uh, the, The Securities and Exchange Commission is looking at a lot of this. The Justice Department is looking at it. The leftward tilt in corporate boardrooms is bringing a great deal of political and legal risk. And I think maybe this week it it started to get through to these guys. Really? Mm. Uh, People would say, Jared, can you legislate a social revolution? Which, you know, when you look at what's been manufactured, that's what it feels like. 
Yeah, I don't think you can legislate a social revolution, but I think you can. I think I think change comes from the heart, and I think it's spiritual. And I think to some degree, a lot of those of us who are evangelical Christians have maybe put a little bit too much hope in political change. We think a president can save us. Um, but that doesn't mean there's no role for the legislature. My point is only that if you're a bad actor in some way, if you, if, if basically, if you're a big tech company and you treat half the country like their enemies because they hold views that you don't like on, say, sexuality, um, and you ignore them, their outrage is going to come out one way or another. You can't ignore half the country and expect to be unscathed in terms of regulation and lawsuits and boycotts and all of the rest of it. So I think these companies need to wake up to the fact that these CEOs and these boards live in a little cultural bubble where they think everybody's like them when, in fact, most of the country isn't. And it probably wouldn't be a bad idea for them to work to diversify their boards a little bit. And diversify, in this case, means putting, yeah, I don't know, an evangelical Christian or traditional Roman Catholic, a practicing Orthodox Jew, you know, a conservative or a libertarian, putting some of those people on the board might help them stop, you know, might help them avoid stepping into some of these traps that they've stepped into. Totally agree. Jerry, wasn't it interesting to see how uh, Democrat um, leaders question big tech versus how Republican leaders question big tech? Because you could tell that their concerns were different. So uh, the Republicans' concern is, as you mentioned, that there's a there's an anti-conservative tilt uh, to big tech. But the Democrats' concern had more to do with the fact that I don't remember which um, which representative said this, but he said we've gone from the era of robber barons to the era of cyber barons. Yes, and that's interesting because that means they don't have allies on either side. So I think they're li- they're kind of waking up to the fact that they need to actually work a lot harder. And I think that means for some of them, Zuckerberg had a meeting with the president a few months ago. I, I think, I mean, I think something's happening there with Facebook a little bit. I'm not saying that, you know, Mark's going to like become a Republican or something like that, or, you know, join First Baptist. Uh, uh, but I think there is something going on there where he is the CEO in that group who I think has you know, really figured out that they can't do it, that they, have, they face political risk. And they can't depend on the left to support them. So I think they're trying to make some alliances on the right. Now, you know, there would be a better way to do this rather than all this, like, you know, uh, triangulation and Byzantine stuff. The better way to do it is to just do the right thing and be fair with everybody. If you're if you're fair with everybody, you have much fewer enemies. Um, If your business model is straightforward and honest, I mean, let's be honest, Facebook is a business model, which basically says, and this is not just them, this is social media in general. They pretend you're the customer, but you're really the product, right? Right. When I'm on Twitter or when I'm on Facebook, I'm not really the customer. I'm really the product. They're selling access to my eyeballs, to my patterns, to my very way of thinking. They're selling that to people. It's a dishonest business model. It's bound to have problems. Right. Okay, Jen. So yesterday, you know, the big tech leaders, they came to Washington, D.C. voluntarily. It's not as though they were subpoenaed. Now, um, in the future, if they're called back again, they may sort of shrug their shoulders and say, you know, well, we did show up and we've done our due diligence. And it's not like, you know, it's one thing to legislate. I mean, you know, tech, look at look at someone like old media, like the New York Times. I mean, you can make the same assertions about old media, how biased they are towards a liberal perspective as well. And how do we legislate that? 
Well, we can't legislate it. Um, and yeah. what's happened is we've, we've voted with our dollars and we've, um, you know, by not subscribing and we voted with our eyeballs and they'll find, you know, they'll find some way to survive. I mean, they will like super serve their liberal metropolitan base to some degree, or they'll get foundation funding. You know, some of the old fortunes which have been captured will, you know, sort of defend old line media. They'll find a way to survive, but they're gone as a real cultural influence. All they do is reinforce liberal biases. That's all the New York Times does. Um, and, um, you know, one of their reporters quit last week um, in a way that uh, in a way that I think really telegraphed that there is no credibility left. We no longer have a newspaper of record in this country. We have, we're going back to the 1800s where we have party papers. You know, there's different papers, different outlets for different political institutions. Right. Who, who's the honest broker? There is no, I can't think of a single large scale, like national scale, honest news broker. There's pockets here and there yep. and in local radio, uh, for example, uh, but we no longer have an institution that everybody trusts. And I don't think we have an institution that anybody that everybody trusts because I don't think we have one that's really trustworthy. Well, isn't that shocking to say that out loud? I mean, we, of course, we all, you know, have thought this for a long time and there have been, you know, articles and social media posts and firings and resignations and all that. But just saying that out loud, that is a sad place to be. It is. So then what's next? I don't know. I I mean, you know, Romans 8 says the creation is groaning and travailing, waiting for the revelation of the sons of God. The institution that's supposed to do that is the church. That's supposed to be the place where it's a teaching place and also, in some sense, an honest debating society where you come together and you have councils and you work out your differences, where we're committed to truth rather than party. Um, we, okay, you know what, that, Jerry, I'm going to stop you right there because I want to hit that topic when we come back. Um, after okay. the break, we'll talk to Jerry about church models and some of the things that have changed uh, because of COVID-19 that are never going to come back. And perhaps how could Christian formation change for the good since all of this? That'll be our next topic with Jerry Boyer, Thursday edition, Ride Home. WORD. Would you like God to call you into some form of service? That's a good thing to aspire to. What came from humble beginnings is now one of the largest churches in America, driven by the mission of knowing God and making Him known. Why do you have a hunger for holy things? Why are you interested in what the Bible says? This station is excited to welcome a new beginning with Greg Laurie to the weekday lineup. Hear Greg Laurie at a new beginning, 10.30 a.m. weekdays beginning this Monday. Your potential customers are on social media. Learn the tools you need to make them yours during the 2020 Marketing and Social Media Virtual Summit, streaming live to your desktop August 4th, presented by Salem Surround and WORD with the Pittsburgh North Regional Chamber, a day filled with industry-leading insight designed to help you master the art of social media to attract your ideal customers who will love, hire, and tell the world about you August 4th from 8 to 3. Reserve now at pghnorthchamber.com. Audiences everywhere are saying Uncle Tom is a must-see movie. Uncle Tom was amazing. 
simply brilliant. Uncle Tom's the finest, most thought-provoking documentary I've ever seen. Oh my God, what an amazing movie. Every American needs to watch your film. It doesn't matter if you're left, right, or center. It's a great movie. It's just absolutely wonderful. An eye-opening masterpiece of the real history of America. I am blown away. Breathtaking. I sat here with tears rolling down my face through most of this movie. Thank you so very, very much for doing this. Uncle Tom is one of the most important documentaries of our time. I highly recommend everyone get it. I wish I could figure out a way to get everybody to watch it. Purchase now at UncleTom.com. Use promo code Pittsburgh for 20% off. I think that you may save America with this movie. UncleTom.com. Seasons of change and uncertainty can be difficult, even scary, but they don't have to control or define you. The counselors of the Grace Wellness Center would consider it a privilege to come alongside and help you replace the fear and frustration with freedom and peace. While office visits are still available throughout the area, Grace Wellness Center also offers online and phone appointments to make counseling convenient and available on your terms, accepting all major insurances at thegracewellnesscenter.com. I consider not only my team members, but my patients, my family, and I miss them for quite a few months. Stock Family Dentistry would like to say, welcome back. One of the biggest blessings I have received is to be able to use my talents and my passion to serve my community through our dental office. And I'm proud to say that we're doing it in a very safe way. We're finally back up to full speed. It's nice to be back with family. On Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Jerry Boyer is with us today, the editor of Town Hall Finance. Very early in our conversation, you mentioned that there are some sectors of the economy that are just never going to be the same. Um, and I guess that's that's the case all the time. There are always businesses that are going up and businesses that are going down as the uh, as the economy evolves. But you said this kind of you know put us on a like a jet plane into maybe three years into the future, seeing trends that were moving slowly all of a sudden accelerated. So I'm thinking about models of churches, and you know if we're talking about our sadness over newspapers, you know, failing and the fact that people are not able to converse well one to another and hear each other's point of view. And you say, well, you know, the church really should be modeling this, but a lot of churches aren't even meeting. And when they are going to start meeting, all of a sudden the models that they had in the past aren't going to work. Where do you see us going forward? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm asking God, show me or show us. Right. So we can so we can kind of go with your will, like move in accordance with the direction he's moving in. But um, I think that when you have these shakings of the world, this one's economic and it's not just this. We talked about this back in 2008 and 2009. Um, And I think, John, you said, when's this crisis going to be over? And I said, I don't know, but I think we're entering an era of crises like crisis after crisis after crisis. Um, so we have, the, you know, we had the Great Recession, and then we had the European debt crisis, and we, you know, before that we had the, you know, the, um, uh, the uh, uh, you know, the Arab Spring. I mean, we have gone from mega crisis yeah. to mega crisis, okay? All right, Providence, we're listening. Uh, or at least I hope we are. Uh, I don't know what it will take for us to begin to listen, but I think what the world is waiting for is for Christians to be the sons of God, uh, to be the heirs of his wisdom and to speak that wisdom into the world. Um, we do, uh, But in order to speak that wisdom into the world, we have to have that wisdom. And I think that means we have to leave behind 
a lot of our old ways of doing things, a lot of things that weren't really about Jesus, but were really about us. But of course, that, that, that's not the question you're asking. What, what, economically, what I think is that there is a model that is really very, very much in, in trouble. So that model would be a mainline church in an inner ring suburb or even a regular suburb, um, mainline church under 50 members, under 100, average age 60. This is a lot of churches I'm talking about. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that is yeah. probably the majority of churches in America. Um, and they were sort of managing their decline. Many, many, many of them are gone already. They, they're, they already left. Um, they, we, we don't know that yet. We'll know when, they, you know when there's a reopening and nobody shows up. But that model is, I think, is really disappearing rapidly. It looked like it was going to disappear anyway. It's just disappearing three or four or five years you know, sooner than it was going to. So then what? What do we do for those people? I mean, those people deserve to have spiritual care. Um, so what's the alternative? Um, you know, I think we're going to have to really throw out the playbook when it comes to the alternative, is it, oh, you need to have somebody who went to seminary who's an ordained pastor to care for them? Sorry, that's not going to work. Because somebody who goes to seminary, they come out with all that debt, they've got a family to feed or whatever, they can't afford to work for, you know, like a few hundred dollars a month, you know, um, part-time mm-hmm. for a small church. we got to figure out different ways to do this stuff, more apprentice model, more lay leadership, um, more service-oriented. Uh, might become a situation where a pastor isn't, is really more of a hard job to do than it is a position of status. It might be, right. you know, more foot washing this than we've seen in the past yes. uh, and less being important. So I think we're I think we're seeing the death of a model that has really been the 20th century model b- before the megachurch was community mainline church. Um, that's going to have trouble um, surviving this, in my opinion. Right. And I think what you said earlier as well about the big tech, you know, casting, whether it's conservatives and or Christians in a super negative light, that also adds to it. But in many ways, that might be the salvation because, you know, if we were pushed so far to the extreme, then we would find ourselves so far back in the corner that there's nothing left to lose other than to reinvent ourselves in some tiny seed of a way which is an unknown sort of computation at this point. Who knows what yeah. that's going to be? But if we, you know, if it's a brown field, sooner or later, some sprout will grow. If we relied too much on power and habit, which I think we did, then what would a loving God do except yank power and habit out of our hands? Um, if he wants us to grow... Um, and those are the things we were leaning on rather than him, then it would be no surprise if he providentially basically destroys those two pillars, false pillars of the church. So evangelicalism as being part of the Republican coalition, and that's me, okay, it's my tribe, I'm an, I'm an evangelical, I'm a Republican, that evangelical Republican coalition thing, that's really becoming strained. We're now kind of in a junior position, and, you know, depending on how the next election goes, you know, the demographics don't look so good for us. So power might be ripped out of our hands. Yeah. All right, Jerry, we've got to go. That's Jerry Boyer, editor thank of Town so Hall much. Finance. Jerry, thank you so much for your great words and thoughts and for your time sharing them with us. My pleasure. Let's take a break. we got uh, much more ahead. We're just getting underway. 
We're going to talk about uh, Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson. Now they're citizens of Greece. What? what? Souvlaki's and gyros for everyone? Do you remember what was kept in a spring house? If you're an old timer, you know that a spring house was used for storing fresh cold milk. In 84 Pennsylvania, we have another kind of spring house. Our spring house is an old-fashioned country store filled with all kinds of old-time gifts, great country foods, and you guessed it, fresh cold milk. You see, the spring house in 84 is also a dairy farm where we milk our own cows, pasteurize and homogenize the milk, and sell it all through the store. We've had people tell us it has to be some special kind of gourmet milk. We don't add anything to the cow's diet or to the milk. It's just nature's purest, most perfect food, and we love the way our customers love it. We also make a chocolate milk you would think is a chocolate shake, an old-fashioned buttermilk that people drive miles to get, and a 40% heavy cream that's wonderful for luscious desserts. Our 2% and our skim are the greatest sellers. Come and try some Springhouse milk at the Springhouse in 84. Did you buy into the timeshare lies? I can tell you that I had a four-year experience with a timeshare corporation who did nothing but lie to me. That swapping locations was easy? They made this sound that this would be a really good deal. That I could go anywhere, anytime I wanted to. That never worked out. Timeshare lies. Thousands of timeshare owners know the feeling. I'm Chuck McDowell, founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I worked for the largest timeshare company in the world. When I learned the truth about what they were selling, I quit my job and instead became the pioneer in helping folks get out of their timeshare contracts legally. I understand that trusting anyone after buying a timeshare is a difficult task. That's why I guarantee if we can't cancel your timeshare contract, you'll pay nothing. For a free information kit on how to cancel your timeshare, call Wesley Financial Group now. 800-605-5757. 800-605-5757. 800-605-5757. Do you feel like there are more unanswered questions and few honest explanations about why so many of our liberties are under attack? Find out how we get back to a place of order and normalcy when you stream Morality in the 21st Century on Salem Now. Dennis Prager and Dr. Wayne Grudem confront the toughest social issues we face, and through never-before-told personal stories, you get a clear direction for a visionary future for this nation in this on-demand video special. Visit SalemNow.com to stream Morality in the 21st Century, and type in the code Pittsburgh for a 20% discount. That's SalemNow.com. Liberty Mutual Insurance Company helps you customize your home insurance, so you only pay for what you need. Unlike things you paid for you didn't need, like that much-needed 125-inch flat-screen TV. It's hurting my eyes. A lot. For your 100-square-foot bedroom. My neck isn't so much stiff as it's completely stuck. With Liberty Mutual, get customized home insurance so you only pay for what you need. Uh Uh-oh, I'm seeing color splotches. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. Well, Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson have a uh, reason to celebrate this week. They are both officially Greek citizens. In this picture that was posted on social media by the country's prime minister, uh, Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson proudly hold up their brand new Greek passports. The couple and their children became honorary Greek citizens last year after officials highlighted Tom Hanks' role in helping raise awareness about the 2018 fires that devastated large areas near Athens and claimed the lives of more than 100 people. And uh, if you get a chance to see the photograph, uh, Google Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson. It's a great shot. And um, I don't know. I think it's kind of cool. Kath, what do you think? Are they dual citizens or do they give up their U.S. citizenship? No, no, they won't give up their U.S. citizens. It's an honorary thing. I mean, it's not like they're going to, right? 
Well, um, I don't know. Barbara Streisand kept saying whenever there was a, a threat that a Republican was going to be nominated or elected president, she was going to leave the country. She's still here. I know. No, no. Tom Hanks is cool. I, I believe that uh, it's just he's a super kind guy helping out. Somebody reciprocated awesome. the kindness. That's all. I have a feeling he's not going to be living in a shack in Athens. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. He'll be eating very nice choice lamb, won't he? Souvlaki. He'll be having some feta and mm, olives. That's nice. On some little, you know, some beautiful white oh, stuccoed place that's in the side of the cliff and Mykonos. Very nice. You don't like baklava, do you? I do. I hate it. I, hate I love it so baklava. Much. Why do you hate it? I hate honey. No, I don't hate honey. Why do you hate honey? I can't. It's a hard stance. I could bake with honey or something, but I cannot stand to eat it on its own. It gags me. (laughs) It does. I wish it. I guess it's really good for you, but it gags me. Sorry. All right. No honey on this show. Listen on your smart speaker, the Word FM app at wordfm.com, iHeart, TuneIn, and on radio.com, in the car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Former GOP presidential candidate Herman Cain has died after battling the coronavirus. He was 74. The former pizza company executive had been an outspoken backer of the president and was named by the campaign as a co-chair of Black Voices for Trump. Tropical Storm Isaias battering Puerto Rico as it continues on a forecast track toward the U.S. mainland. Congress has awarded the Congressional Gold Medal, its highest honor, to surviving crew members of the USS Indianapolis. That's the ship that delivered key components of the first nuclear bomb and was later sunk by Japan during World War II. The death toll of 879 men, the largest single disaster at sea in U.S. Navy history. Wall Street closing mix, the Dow dropped 225 points today. The Nasdaq gained 44. The S&P was off a dozen. This is SRN News. Facing a layoff near retirement, you may have some important decisions to make regarding your 401k. If you don't work there, should your money stay? This decision could be important to achieving your retirement goals. This is Ethan Lane, Associate Advisor with Accurate Solutions Group. Our team has worked with many families with these types of decisions and understand your options. With taxes at historic lows, we can look at options for your 401k that could save you on taxes down the road. Our team at Accurate Solutions Group is offering a 10-step layoff survival guide. For your complimentary copy, call or text REVIEW to 412-515-3555. Accurate Solutions Group is ready to assist you. For your copy or to schedule your complimentary 401k review, call or text REVIEW to 412-515-3555. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Neither the firm nor its representatives can provide tax advice. This is the story they don't want you to see. Told by people they don't want you to hear at a time when so many desperately need to hear it. This is the story of Uncle Tom. Most people are completely oblivious to the history of the Democratic Party. Starring Larry Elder, Candace Owens, Herman Cain, Brandon Tatum. Hear their stories of how their life was changed when they finally figured out the truth. Go to UncleTom.com. Buy it now on pay-per-view. UncleTom.com. This is their story of redemption and hope. Summer is the perfect time to tackle those indoor projects on your list, like escaping the heat and refreshing your home with new paint. Lowe's has you covered with our number one best-selling color, agreeable gray, and accent colors like snowbound and retreat. 
Plus, you can get Valspar's Dual Scrub and Stain Resistant Ultra Interior Paint Plus Primer starting at just $24.98 a gallon every day. For ideas and inspiration, download the Lowe's app and discover what's possible. U.S. only. Your potential customers are on social media. Learn the tools you need to make them yours during the 2020 Marketing and Social Media Virtual Summit, streaming live to your desktop August 4th, presented by Salem Surround and WORD with the Pittsburgh North Regional Chamber, a day filled with industry-leading insight designed to help you master the art of social media to attract your ideal customers who will love, hire, and tell the world about you August 4th from 8 to 3. Reserve now at pghnorthchamber.com. Hey, are you guys open? Yeah, yeah, we are. Come on in. As businesses reopen across the nation, is your business prepared for what comes next? Salem Surround can help. COVID-19 brought America's thriving economy to a screeching halt. But now, local businesses are getting back to normal. Are you ready for the return to business and all that pent-up consumer demand? Contact Salem Surround. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Cloudy for tonight with a shower or thunderstorm around low 67. Friday, sunshine and clouds high 82. Friday night, cloudy, low 63. Clouds and sun on Saturday with a shower or thunderstorm high 81. Sunday, cloudy and humid with showers and a thunderstorm high 82. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Andy Robb. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Good afternoon. Welcome along for the Thursday edition. Um, Kathy, I'm sure you're like me, that you walk by your bookcases on a daily basis. I stand there often and just kind of look at what I have yes. and think, I could probably get rid of a lot of this stuff. You know, mm-hmm. that like, I, I wonder if you looked at your bookcase, what percentage of books have you read? What percentage of books do you recall? What percentage of books do you love? What percentage of books would you happily get rid of? There's well, a lot of tell, questions I have. Let me tell you, I just did this last week. Wait, 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 wait. You called, you you put back, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You changed the, the style and look of your bookcase by yes. getting rid of things. Yes. What percentage of books and did today, you And today, just this afternoon before the show, I drove about 30 books to AMVETS, dropped it off as a donation. AMVETS are taking books. Mm-hmm. Just thirty books. Just, Just 30. thirty books. That's all. I, that's all. I, that's all I got. Now I didn't do. That was. I just did my fiction bookshelf. I did not do my theology bookshelf or my nonfiction bookshelf. How many bookshelves do you have? I have one, two, three, four. Four. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the fiction. That's. I'd say that's part. Well, no, it's. Not, I can't say that's the easiest to get. Uh, I have a hard time doing this. I've, I've thought about it. Yeah. I've got a box next to one of my bookcases and I start to take things down. And when I do, then I go, wait a second. I, no, I'm not getting rid that, of that. I've got notes in that book. And I remember yeah. the time back in 19, whenever that. So <laughs> here's the problem. I've got like um, uh, 
tubs, storage tubs, those plastic storage tubs yeah. in my basement. I bet you I've got 15 of those with books in <gasps> them that I have not had in my you know physical reach probably in 15 years. You're kidding me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And occasionally I'll go down and pull off a lid and go, oh, I like that. Oh, I remember that time. And, uh, so I've got a lot of work to do, but I don't want to do the work. Mm-hmm. That's why if you break it up into a smaller chunk, like just do a section, it's not that bad. I guess. I mean, right. it didn't take me more than an hour. No, maybe two hours to go through just the one section. Right. And then you put the books in a bag, you put the bag in the car, and then whenever you have a chance, you drive it to AMVETS and say, I want to donate. See, I did not know. Uh, I called my local library. They were doing, they they do this every year where they have a book sale. You drop your books off and they sort of like in the foyer of the library, they build up over time. And then in the summertime, they do that book sale, which then I end up giving books away, but then going to the book sale and buying books. Yeah, believe me, I've done that too. That's not good. Right. Okay, yep. uh, let me just uh, segue into um, another book conversation I've been thinking about because I've been watching, like you have, you know, you're watching people on YouTube or whatnot, and everyone's, you know, featuring their bookcases in one form or another. It's easy to set up behind a bookcase. Right. So um, I saw an article the celebrity bookshelf detective is back. So they're looking at celebrities you now and there's, you know, identifying different titles within their bookcases, which I find interesting. Yeah, me too. People are reading, right? Yeah. Um, Tom Hanks. Okay. Tom Hanks uh, sitting in front of his bookshelf. He has um, several books. Let me just quickly. The Presidential Recordings of LBJ, Volumes 1 through 3. Wow. These are transcripts of 700 hours of telephone conversations that Johnson secretly recorded in his dealings with the Kennedys, cursing about Vietnam, and this push to help the cause of civil rights. Wow. What is that? I have no idea. You're reading someone's phone transcript. Um, I can't imagine that would not be really boring 80% of the time. Yep. Uh, This is a good book. St. Mark's is Dead. St. Mark's is a street in New York City. It's uh, in in many ways sort of like the the downtown, the beginning of the downtown scene, uh, St. Mark's Place. And the book is called St. Mark's is Dead, the close-up look at the history of an idiosyncratic New York City street where both Emma Goldman and the Beastie Boys partied. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Hanks also, The History of Man's Spaceflight, a very complete history of the early space mission, Mercury, Gemini, Apollo, and onward for the NASA geek. It's in my library. Okay, there you go. You and Tom Hanks are together on that. Okay. Um, uh, Regina King. Do you know who Regina King is? Do I know who Regina King is? Um, I can't place her. Uh, I don't know her. Okay. Um. How about uh, Sean Penn? I know Sean Penn. Yeah, Sean Penn. <laughs> I love Sean Penn. He looks rough. Sean Penn looks like he spent the pandemic sitting around smoking oh, Marlboros. I, oh, sorry. I know who Regina King is. Oh, tell me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was in that TV show. Uh, oh, she's an actor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was a long time ago, but that's what I remember her from. Okay, Tom, or I'm sorry, uh, Sean Penn's library, Can Art Change the World? A retrospective of the French street artist. Uh, My Life by Bill Clinton is in his um, library. And Mexico Illustrated uh, illustrations and poster work from the first half of the 20th century. Okay. Uh, Charlemagne the God. You know who Charlemagne the God is? No. I imagine he's a rapper. Okay. Uh, That's just me, a guess, just by the name, right? Okay. Uh, In his book, Sweat the Technique, Revelations on Creativity from Lyrical Genius. Um. Civil War Battlefields by David Gilbert. Okay. Okay. Uh, Yo-Yo Ma, which is interesting to me. Yo-Yo Ma has a couple of books about performance, 
um, watch uh, with your own hands a best-selling guide from the early 1980s that advertises itself on the cover as a way to overcome stage fright and nervousness. This is in Yo-Yo, Yo-Yo Ma's library. Don't tell me he had stage fright. I'm sure if you're on stage long enough, there are periods of your life where you get stage fright. You've never yeah, had that? You're, I, uh, but yeah, I have. You're right. You get, you, you, I, you go through periods. I'm just. Well, I, yeah, doing music in a church. I had, I had yeah. that every single week before I start. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Patty Lupone. I'm sorry. Colin Powell. Uh, okay. He's got uh, several books uh, that uh, featured Slave Nation on the role of slavery in the drafting of the United States Constitution by okay. Alfred Blumenrosen. I don't know that. Um, Black Spring, White Fire. Uh, by Richard Poe. Richard Richard Poe drew on research in linguistics, archaeology, and anthropology to propose that it was black Egyptian explorers who planted the rudiments of Western civilization in Europe some 3,000 years ago. Okay. It's going to be a surprise Uh, to the people in Western Europe. Yes, and warriors of color. Not much is known about black soldiers who served in the military just after the Civil War. But this book... Gathers the available really military good. records. Sixty-three We're... members of Troop H. Warriors of Color by Harold Ray Sayer. S A Y R E. Okay. Well, here's the here's the question. So, if you photographed me in front of my bookcase, yeah, there would be a lot of things you'd be like, "She reads what? that," yeah. but I like to read all sorts of things. What do you have yes. behind you? Um, couple things. Uh, let me just. I have. Uh, Love in the Time of Cholera. Do you know this oh, okay. book? Okay. Yep. Uh, my daughter just read it. It's a wonderful book. She just uh, finished it a couple weeks ago, but I never read it. Have, uh, uh, Cassavetes on Cassavetes. Okay. It's uh, John Cassavetes on film. Okay. Oh, uh, you know this book. I love uh, that book. That's Jay Richards. Oh, can I see? Can, there you go. That's Fast great. Feast yeah, by Jay Richards. Book. Yeah. And uh, oh, I've got uh, this, you know, the, the, the Souls of China, Ian Johnson. Let me try to find it. I don't that. know that one. It's an excellent book. It's a history okay. of China. Christianity okay. in China. Okay. It's sort of a sampling, right? Okay. I don't know. I like when people's when you go to a party, do you not find yourself at the person's bookshelf? Always. Yeah. Just to see what's it out tells there. you something about the person. Of course it does. But individual books, I don't know if they tell you everything about the person. You no, and I think it's just a curiosity. Like the panoply of what they have that's really right. going to tell you who they are. Right. Do you lend books out? Yes. Do you but get I them keep back? a record. I keep a record. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. Give me my book back. Exactly. I hate that so much. I've lent so many books out. You never see them ever, ever again. Right. Or how about when you took my Marie Kondo book? Oh, I did. Yeah. Remember you had it for like three years. Did I give it back? Yeah. Oh, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Cause you know why? <laughs> you know, I want to tidy things up, right? No, it's because I keep a record of who borrows my stuff oh, and I okay. ask for it back. Okay. Hello. I'm Marie Kondo. <laughs> there she is. Okay, shall we take a break? I would like to. And uh, what are we talking about? Joshua Swami Das next. We're going to talk about race from the perspective, not of a pastor, not of a cop, not of a protester, but instead from the work and the perspective of a geneticist. What do our genetics tell us about our race and ethnicity, and does it matter? That's next on today's edition of The Ride Home. We're glad you're here. W-O-R-D. It's back to school time. So whether your kids will be back at school wearing masks or you're keeping them at home, one thing will stay the same. Back to school is expensive. 
So let us help. Enter the back-to-school sweepstakes. You could win $2,500 to help pay for school supplies and kids' clothing. Then your school gets an additional $2,500. There are lots of ways to enter. Find out how you and your school could be a winner. Sign up at wordfm.com. How do you keep a biblical perspective in a pandemic accompanied by a mental health crisis? As COVID-19 has spread, prescriptions for anti-anxiety medications have nearly doubled. Yet in a world consumed by worry, God has a purpose for anxiety, and that's the subject of a timely new book, The End of Anxiety, the biblical prescription for overcoming fear, worry, and panic. Written by pastor and biblical counselor Josh Weidman, it offers his personal prescription with practical steps and biblical answers for coping with stress and deepening trust and dependence on God. The End of Anxiety can help you find peace and joy in times of uncertainty, fear, and darkness. Our main goal as Christians is to glorify God in everything we do. And as the author opens his life and personal journey in this book, he shows how suffering, anxiety, and our mental battles can bring God the glory. The End of Anxiety, the biblical prescription for overcoming fear, worry, and panic. Available at Amazon and wherever books are sold. Learn more at endofanxiety.com. Audiences everywhere are saying Uncle Tom is a must-see movie. Fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. Excellent. Breathtaking. A movie that is changing hearts and minds. I really feel inspired. We're going to put up statues because of what this film may do. An eye-opening masterpiece of the real history of America. They want to cover up history. I didn't study that kind of stuff when I was in history. They are actively learning their history wrong. Why have you hidden this from me? Starring Larry Elder. And Uncle Tom is somebody who has sold out by embracing the white man. Candace Owens. I'm a black female. I should be at the top of the progressive stack. Brandon Tainter. They believe that I want to be accepted in the white community. Kind of like the house Negro back in slavery. And Herman Cain. As my late grandfathers used to say, I does not care. These are the voices of the movie Uncle Tom. Purchase now at UncleTom.com. Use promo code Pittsburgh for 20% off. First Presbyterian Church is a beacon of light and love to this community. The message that I hear sustains me for the whole week. I love this church because of the diversity and the music and the people. The incredible beauty of the space. A warm, welcoming congregation. The people are amazing and truly love one another and Christ. And our pastor preaches the gospel. I want everybody to Pittsburgh to come and experience. First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, in the heart of the city, with the city in its heart. We, along with most of America, have been talking about race these last several months. The moment, uh, I think, that we go back to is the moment of uh, George Floyd's death, and that ignited all sorts of uh, social, physical actions in the street. Of course, uh, the reverberations are still being felt. And uh, there is a reckoning in many ways that it's underway, for better or worse, in a lot of people's lives, across institutions, across individuals. But, you know, in all those conversations that we've talked about, whether it's race in the arts or race in the culture, race in the church, we've not really talked about the meaning of race. So that's why we're so happy to bring Dr. Joshua Swamidas on the air today. Dr. Swamidas is a scientist, a physician. He's also Associate Professor of Laboratory and Genometric Medicine at Washington University in St. Louis. He is um, uh, the author of a brand new book called The Genealogical Adam and Eve, The Surprising Science of Universal Ancestry. Dr. Swami Das, Joshua, welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
Yeah, Josh, always good to have you. Let's start at um, let's not. I was going to start at the beginning, but you know, when I say that to you, you're going to say you're going to think I'm talking <laughs> about like the way beginning. Um, but let's go back a couple centuries and talk about how the word race or the idea of race has been defined. Yeah, this is actually a really important point. It's interesting that you say just the last couple centuries because that. Uh, that is really how recent the idea of race as we understand it arises. So if you go back to scripture and what the Bible says, for example, it doesn't actually talk about racism. They didn't have a concept of race like we do. Um, of course, people recognize differences between one another before, but it's really um, over the last few hundred years that there's been a notion of, uh, of, of black and white and Asian as distinct biological categories that were separated for a long time in the past. And uh, uh, until very recently in history too, um, most people thought that there was different um, intrinsic abilities associated with each race and different theological roles and different rights and even different dignities. And it's only very recently, uh, really within you know the, the lifetime of maybe our grandparents where that changed. Now, is that, is that because travel changed? Is that because technology was starting to develop? I mean, what, what, to, to what do we attribute that? Well, so there's two changes here. One is where it arises. So when you look at the idea of race arising, really, you can see it's very closely connected to the discovery of the new world. So what happened was that, uh, you know, 1492, uh, Columbus sailed the ocean blue, and that's really when you know, the, the new world really comes into the consciousness of European society, right? And then the first thing that, that really starts to happen is colonizing the rest of the world. And there's a few things with that that happen. One is that when people saw how big the world was compared to the small world they imagined was the entirety of it, uh, it raised questions like, well, wait a minute, how did the people get way over there? I mean, if we just discovered it, how did people get over there? And people wondered about whether or not they were either distinctly created or later on, if they just evolved separately out of, you know, maybe from a different animals to start out with all that. And so, so that was, uh, that was a big theological question about 500 years ago when people discovered that, that there were people on the other side of the earth. And then, um, like I said, you know, it moved over to this idea of colonizing the rest of the earth. And, and with that, you know, they were going, you know, we had Europeans going into, and often with very good intentions, not always with bad intentions, sometimes with very good intentions, we're going into these places and taking land and setting up, uh, setting up governments and, uh, you know, just believing with good intentions, even that they just had the right to do that. And where did that right come from? Um, it really came down to a particular view of theology in many, many ways of really believing that, you know, that, that was just, the way how they would even, they were made specially as Europeans to serve the world by, you know, bringing it into a more civilized place. Right. And, um, and that's, you know, that's like the positive end of it. The negative end of it too, is that, you know, if you start to say that certain groups have more um, abilities than others, you start to wonder about what's the place of everyone else. And so um, though many Christians certainly rejected, uh, rejected slavery, many of them didn't. And, um, and that was part of what was going on in, in, the, in the British Empire and, and the rise of the United States when that happens and all that. And so all, all of those ideas of race uh, become really fixed in there. And then the key thing about this is that it recognizes different groups of people, and it's also tied to an origin story here, where you really believe 
that those uh, those groups really have essential biological differences, and they've been separate for a very long time in the past. And it carries through to, to, to just very, very recently. So there was a really famous sermon that Bob Jones Sr. Uh, gave on, I think it was Easter in 1960, where he talked about how uh, how segregation was scriptural, and he pointed to uh, to Acts 17:26, and it, for him it was an issue of the biblical authority and an issue of, bi- of biblical inerrancy, because it says that God set up the boundaries between the nations is what has how he read it, and for that reason, it was a real major error to have brought um, uh, the slaves over in the first place. They should have stayed in Africa because that's where God had had made them and wanted them to be. But now that they were over here, we really need to live separate from them. That was his idea. And, um, or it wasn't his idea. It was really how he saw it. And so there's this idea that, you know, well, you know, black people are good. We love them. They're, uh, God loves them too. They, we want them to have churches and he, we want to make our own seminary for them. But they're not the same as us. They, there's supposed to be a wall between them and us. And he appealed to scripture for that. Now, of course, he was totally wrong. He misread scripture. And, um, and that's not how every Christian has seen it, and that's not how most Christians would even see it today. But I'm mainly telling that story to just point out how very recent that was. That was just in the 1960s. And, 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 and you know, that that's just, that's just turns out to be wrong on so many levels. Before we even get to the moral side of it and the, and the theological problems with this, it just turns out not to be true scientifically. All of these different types of humans we want to talk about are actually the same type of human. We haven't been separate in the distant past. We've been mixing and connected for a very long time, just outside the consciousness of, uh, of Europeans who came up with this idea of race fairly recently. I'm with Dr. Joshua Swamidas, his brand new work, The Genealogical Adam and Eve, The Surprising Science of Universal Ancestry. Dr. Swamidas is a scientist, a physician. He is Associate Professor of Laboratory and Genomic Medicine at Washington University in St. Louis. Dr. Swamidas, uh, you are a dark-skinned Indian man. So the way that you look at race, think about race, is certainly different than the way that Kathy and I would think about race. You know, we are Caucasians. So you've had, you know, a scientific dip into this and a theological dip, which is different than most people who are walking in the United States today. Is that not true? Well, I would hope that we could think about it in the same way. There's nothing particularly special about it, but I have experienced it in a different way as a dark-skinned Indian in in the United States. Um, and I think that that under, experience can be understood, too. I, I, I'm, I'm concerned to talk too much about it in that way, though, because I think whenever we start talking about race in the United States, it can be a very uncomfortable conversation yes. uh, for people. And I've observed a lot of my friends um, who, are, um, who are white often feel like their, their voice is really silenced in those conversations, too. And, and in fact, at times their, converse, their voice is, and I'm not really trying to do that. I'm not trying to say that the way I've seen it is the way you just have to accept it and go that way. Uh, people in the church right now are talking a lot about critical theory being a problem. I'm not really promoting critical theory. I'm just saying that there are certain experiences that you have if you're a person with dark skin in this country, and sometimes you can, that, that are a little bit hard to know about 
Um, unless you're willing to hear what those experiences are from a person who's had dark skin. Does that make no, sense? Yeah. And, and so, I mean, for white people, if their voices are silent on this, then that, that's only themselves that they choose not to speak up for whatever reason, that they're uncomfortable or they're fearful. But, it, you know, it is a reckoning in many ways, and it is time that we should have this conversation. The only problem is, you know, the fear turns to acrimony, turns to anger and finger pointing, and then all of a sudden you know, we can't have the conversation. Yeah, so I think there's there's some good news that science really brings to the conversation on this. So even though like that very hard idea of race that I just put out there, that was there for so long time ago, that even people who, uh, you know, we might even consider racist nowadays may, may not even hold to that view anymore because it's been so thoroughly debunked in many ways. There's still kind of this hangover of misunderstanding that I think we're dealing with where where we still have a tendency to just think, well, you know, all these traits we see in different groups, they're probably biological. And that, that's how a lot of people see it. Um, there was a, a really good um, ministry-oriented Christian man who was married to a non-white person who, um, who's, who has done a lot of uh, service works in African-American neighborhoods. And I remember talking to him privately, and I'm not going to give any more details uh, that could be traced to him because he didn't see himself as a racist, and, and whether he's a racist or not is kind of beside the point. What he told me, though, was that, you know, well, it's, it is obvious that there is a genetic, uh, you know, deficiency among African-Americans that causes them to actually be more prone to, to criminality. And I was kind of floored when I heard that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I started talking to him about it, and it was just basically, uh, you know, a very um, amateur uh, best guess, just looking at it from a very surface level, he, he just didn't know. Now, if he was right, first of all, I think scientists should be honest about that and say that, yeah, actually, this is because of genetics that, 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 that we see the world the way we do. And in fact, most biologists would have said that if you go back 100 years ago. And if that was true, that would be really discouraging. It would mean that the world as we have it is probably what we're stuck with. We're not going to be able to improve things very much because the differences we see uh, the important differences, like, uh, you know, are, are not going to be things we're going to be easily able to move past. But here's the thing that's exciting. He was wrong. It turns out we've looked at this scientifically, and we found out that these sorts of behaviors, these sorts of things that we tend to correlate with genetics and biology um, and race in this way are not actually genetically determined. They're far more determined by other things that we inherit that are interchangeable. Um, so all the inheritance doesn't come through DNA. Um, just for example, the way the language you speak, I mean, everyone in this conversation is speaking English. Very likely, all of our parents spoke English too. And in that sense, we probably inherited our language from our parents, but that isn't in DNA, right? If you go back just a few generations, my family wasn't speaking English. They were all speaking, you know, um, Hindi or Tamil or some other Indian language. Yet, just in the right environment, I learned English. And my kids are learning English. We got that by inheritance. But that's like a changeable sort of inheritance, not like DNA. So that's what the exciting thing is. It's not actually the differences we see, the, the important differences we see, the vast majority of them are not, are not even loosely connected to DNA. There are things that we can change. And so there's, we don't have to accept the world as we find it. There's an opportunity for us to, to find a better way to, to help, help find a, a better world on these questions of race. Boy, I wish our time wasn't up, Josh, because I have... S- a bunch of other things we could, we didn't even get to to uh, talk about the the word origin of Caucasian, 
which I read about in one of your articles, is was so fascinating to me. Anyway, so let's just hold that off for next time, Josh. That's Dr. S. Joshua Swamidas, scientist, physician, associate professor of laboratory and genomic medicine at Washington University in St. Louis. Josh, thanks for being here today. Yeah, my pleasure. First Presbyterian Church is a beacon of light and love to this community. The message that I hear sustains me for the whole week. I love this church because of the diversity and the music and the people. The incredible beauty of the space. A warm, welcoming congregation. The people are amazing and truly love one another and Christ, and our pastor preaches the gospel. I want everybody in Pittsburgh to come and experience. First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, in the heart of the city, with the city in its heart. Hi, this is John Hall, telling you how much I love my pillow and how it's really changed my sleep. Check out the new mattress topper. It's truly amazing. I don't know if I love my pillow or the my pillow mattress topper more. Get a my pillow mattress topper and get some of the best sleep of your life. It comes with a 10-year warranty and a cover that's washable and dryable. It is made in the USA and backed with Mike Lindell's 60-day money-back guarantee. MyPillow.com. Save 30%. Use promo code WORD or call 800-391-0954 when you do. Mike will give you two standard MyPillows for free. That's MyPillow.com, promo code WORD, or by calling 800-391-0954. Seriously, get the best night's sleep of your life. It's all about my pillow. 800 Do you feel like there are more unanswered questions and few honest explanations about why so many of our liberties are under attack? Find out how we get back to a place of order and normalcy when you stream Morality in the 21st Century on Salem Now. Dennis Prager and Dr. Wayne Grudem confront the toughest social issues we face, and through never-before-told personal stories, you get a clear direction for a visionary future for this nation in this on-demand video special. Visit SalemNow.com to stream Morality in the 21st Century and type in the code Pittsburgh for a 20% discount. That's SalemNow.com. I was a little bit surprised, but so happy to see how eager patients were to return to the office. And their loyalty and their friendship means everything to us. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care. At StockFamilyDentistry.com, WORD celebrates the high school class of 2020, and we'd like to reward your college-bound senior's achievement during our Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes, presented by Salem Media Group. Enter now through August 20th for a chance to win a $500 school package. Click the contest banner at WordFM.com and upload a photo of your senior with a short bio of their future plans. Then, Friday, August 21st, one lucky senior will win a $500 school package. The Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes, brought to you in part by Salem Media Group, Salem Surround, and this station. Ask Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker, too. Plus, iHeart, tune in, and on radio.com. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Cloudy for tonight with a shower or thunderstorm around low 67. Friday, sunshine and clouds high 82. Friday night, cloudy, low 63. Clouds and sun on Saturday with a shower or thunderstorm, high 81. 
Sunday, cloudy and humid with showers and a thunderstorm. High, 82. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Andy Robb. Times are hard, right? And with those times that are hard, I think you look for a little silver lining in any place that you can. So uh, I saw a piece about Bob Ross. Now, if you don't know Bob Ross, you should know this, that probably Bob Ross is America's most famous painter with Mm -hmm. his distinctive hair, his gentle voice, signature expressions such as happy little trees. He is an enduring icon. I don't think that's, uh, that's an exaggeration 25 years after his death. The uh, Bob Ross Painting Show uh, first premiered nationally on NPR on um, national television in 1983 and ran until 1994, some 400-plus episodes of Bob Ross. And the thing that's amazing about Bob Ross is that long after his death, I mean, kids, little kids, 10, 11, 12 years old, who want to learn how to paint will tune in and check out Bob and his little poofy hairdo and slowly pick up the brush and invite themselves into a world of wonder and creativity. Now, what's cool about Bob Ross is Bob Ross essentially is a a creation of a couple who found Bob Ross. Bob Ross, he spent 20 years in the United States Air Force. He's from Orlando. Bob Ross was born in Orlando, super hot area of the country, obviously. But Bob Ross joined the Air Force, and then he spent almost 20 years in Alaska. As far as the east is from the west, Orlando and Alaska. And while he was in the Air Force, he was working as a part-time bartender. One night, he happened to look up at the television set while he was bartending. And there was a German man who uh, had a long-running TV show that was like the Bob Ross, eventually the Bob Ross show. Bill Alexander was the guy's name. And when Bob Bob Ross got out of the uh, Air Force, he started to work with Bill Alexander because obviously Bob Ross has some artistic talent. And he Bill Bob Ross went around the country and he started to do seminars teaching people how to paint. What are those, that little craze that swept the country a, a while back, Kath, where people were getting together and they yeah, were painting? Go, right, you get together and paint. You go to a place and it's like I don't right. remember what it was called, but you. you but they know. were like painting parties, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Bob Ross was doing this, maybe a, maybe a little different level, and I'm sure there was no alcohol involved. This was way back uh, in 1982. So there was a woman who came to one of these Bob Ross events, and, but it really wasn't a Bob Ross event. It was a Bill Alexander painter event. And the woman showed up because her son, her oldest son, had just died. And her husband, Walt, decided to get his wife, Annette, a five-day workshop in the state of Virginia to help her with her struggle and grief. Now, Annette, when she walked in, she was initially disappointed because she was hoping to see the painter, Bill Alexander, but there was Bob Ross. But at the end of the five days, those five, five day session that Bob Ross taught Walt and Annette approached Bob and said, we want you to quit what you're doing right now. And let's create you as this painter of renown. And Bob Ross said, I am in. And so they were off to the races. That's awesome. So Bob Ross started to crisscross the country teaching Bob Ross. And then Walt and Annette Kowalski, they contacted their local public television station. And they said, you got a spot for us? And the station said, yeah, but we're not going to pay you. And they were like, that's fine. Well, that one season turned into a next season, into a next season, into a next season. And it turned Bob Ross into this incredible, I mean, 
Mike has some great affinity towards Bob Ross. We've seen Mike's attempts at his Bob Ross paintings, and they're not pretty. They're pretty darn good. They not are bad. pretty darn good. Not bad for the first time. Not all right. bad at all. S- speak about your love for the man. Um, I actually, when I was little, um, my uncle Jeff watched Bob Ross religiously all the time, and he has he probably has about 40, 50 paintings. Um, uh, that replicate Bob Ross style, you know, the wet on wet uh, oil painting. Um, I really didn't start getting into Bob Ross until I had a baby. Uh, my wife and I had a baby, and I was up late at night feeding the baby, and I just wanted to watch something that wasn't very loud. And <laughs> I started to watch Bob Ross, Bob Ross on Netflix, and yeah. I just, I was like, ah, I think I could do this. And I, I never painted a picture in my life, not one picture in my life and i i gave it a shot i tried it and i didn't do too bad and what i love about bob ross is <laughs> you know his quotes you know there's no mistakes only happy little accidents you know right and right. so there's no pressure like and he really he he tells his viewers all the time you know anybody can do this anybody and i was like well if that if that anybody can do that if, if i'm that anybody that can do this it i am that anybody because I thought I could not do this at all, and I'm I'm working on my third painting now. So very nice. Yeah, that is awesome. Mike. So and wet on wet. wet now, here's on the wet. really cool thing. Way back, like in the late '80s, remember the Phil Donahue show? Oh yeah. Bob Ross was a guest on the Phil Donahue show, and he said, "Phil Donahue said to Bob Ross, Bob, I want you to admit that your paintings will never hang in a museum.'" And Bob Ross laughed, and he said, well, you know, it, it might be in some museums, maybe, but certainly never the Smithsonian. Well, here's the deal. In July of 2019, the Smithsonian of American History Museum announced that it was adding four Bob Ross paintings, his easel, two of his notebooks, and several fan letters to its permanent collection. So Bob Ross has made its way in. And you know what? Annette and Walsh Kolazowski, they are still alive, and that company, Bob Ross, is thriving. 3,000 people are trained in the Bob Ross technique, and they're still crisscrossing the country, spreading joy in Bob Ross wet on wet. Still buy uh, Bob Ross paint supplies. Love it. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. It's the 30th anniversary of the Americans with Disability Act. Amy Julia Becker is going to be with us. She's a mom, an advocate, a terrific writer. So stay with us on the ride home. Pittsburgh's favorite Christian music on the weekends. With the best new music. New New music. New music from Mandisa. You keep hope alive. alive. God So Loved by We the Kingdom. And Chris Tomlin featuring Lady A, Who You Are to Me. The best new music and Pittsburgh's favorites. Sponsored by Trinity Jewelers. 101.5 Word FM on the weekend. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around... I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino, 
And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-494-2323. That's 800-494-2323. 800-494-2323. Or go to SelectQuote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. I'm United States Surgeon General Jerome Adams, America's doctor. And all across our nation, we've taken steps together to slow the spread of coronavirus. Now we must continue to take personal responsibility to protect ourselves and our loved ones. Because even though not all of us risk a severe case of coronavirus, we all risk getting it and spreading it to others, maybe without even realizing that we're sick. So if we want to get back to school, back to work, back to worship, and back to overall health, there are things our country needs to do. We need to follow state and local guidelines, take extra precautions if at higher risk, wash our hands frequently, stay six feet from others when we can, and when we can't stay six feet from others, please, I'm begging you, wear a face covering. These small actions will make a big difference. So I'm asking you to say it with me, America. Coronavirus stops with me. You can learn more at coronavirus.gov. Produced by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services at taxpayer expense. WORD celebrates the high school class of 2020, and we'd like to reward your college-bound senior's achievement during our Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes presented by Salem Media Group. Enter now through August 20th for a chance to win a $500 school package. Click the contest banner at wordfm.com and upload a photo of your senior with a short bio of their future plans. Then, Friday, August 21st, one lucky senior will win a $500 school package. The Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes, brought to you in part by Salem Media Group. Salem Surround and this station. Thirty years ago, the American Disabilities Act was put into legislation, and for millions of people around this country, it changed their way of life. Not over not overnight, but really in a short amount of order. That America was made to reckon with people with disabilities, to see people with disabilities, to understand their the way that they saw the world, to work with them, and change not only the physical structures but the economic structure as well. Here to talk to us about that, a regular guest in our show is Amy Julia. Becker. Amy Julia Becker is the award-winning writer and speaker on faith, family, disability, and privilege. She is the author of four books, including her latest, White Picket Fences, Turning Towards Love in a World Divided by Privilege. Amy Julia, welcome back to the show. How are you today? I am doing well. Thanks for having me. We're always happy you're here, Amy Julia. Uh, Talk about the Americans with Disabilities Act, because for those of us who don't have to utilize a ramp, it's the first thing I thought of. Um, or something. Yeah. This not something that enters our head all the time. It wasn't until um, I married my husband and my mother-in-law had MS and was confined to a wheelchair that I started to realize how difficult it often was for us to get around. Because you think, oh, well, you know, there's everything's wheelchair accessible. But the truth is not everything is wheelchair accessible. Yeah. So the American Dis- with Disabilities Act was passed now 30 years ago. And although, as you mentioned, that didn't mean overnight everything in our country changed. It did mean that there were laws saying if you're building a new building, for a certain number of people at least, you need to be mindful of people with disabilities. And you bring up a great example with your mother-in-law, although it's interesting because a lot of young parents also say that they 
utilize ramps. They utilize the, uh, you know, insets and curbs so that you can push a stroller up onto a sidewalk easily and readily. Um, There are multiple things, whether it's just getting older, often having a large print book is helpful. Having closed caption on a television, if you're losing hearing for any reason, uh, which we might not associate with disability. So there have been advantages for many Americans as a result of this act, but certainly for people with disabilities, there was a sense of bringing the reality of disability into the foreground and recognizing that, you know what, it's not necessarily because of your MS that you can't get around. It's because we haven't created an environment where a wheelchair can move. And so when we can do things like create an environment where you can bring a wheelchair into a movie theater, into a sanctuary, into a school, then what that means is you can bring a person who's in and using that wheelchair into that place. And so it makes many places and spaces far more welcoming and accessible, and we all can benefit from that. Right. I mean, I remember years ago when this first happened, when the American Disabilities Act was passed, and I think probably for a lot of people you were like, Oh, well, what took you so long? Mm. And like, you know, like Kathy says, it probably just for a lot of people was a complete and total lack of awareness until awareness was, you know, forced upon you in some way, whether, you know, you yourself became disabled or you love somebody who was disabled. And then, of course, the light bulb went off. So, um, I do, yeah, I, mean, I just you, was going to say, I think it is one of those situations where. I know for myself, even now, I have a daughter with a disability. I try to be really mindful of these things. And yet I noticed a couple of years ago that our church, which was built before the Americans with Disabilities Act, we had a ramp outside, but it didn't have a railing. And so I watched as a woman struggled, an elderly woman, to get into our sanctuary. And thankfully, I was able, I know her, so I went over and talked to her about gosh, what could we do to make this building accessible for you? And she's like, just put up a railing, you know, but there's so much (laughs) that we don't see. And we immediately made the change. Everyone was happy to do it. But when you're only seeing through the eyes of your own body and your own experience, you can really lose sight of other people. Right. And I think in some ways, Amy Julie, this this conversation goes back to, you know, that uh, used word. I'm not saying it's overused, but for a lot of people who hear the word privilege, they Mm. roll their eyes. Now, of course, you know, to bring up privilege in, you know, the realm of disabilities, if you're able-bodied, you don't think, you just don't think about it. So we are privileged to have our limbs, to have our abilities that move us forward physically, uh, mentally, socially through this environment. But for those who not, then they, they lack the privilege. And it's just a matter of awareness of how we can look at people and help people who are left out. I remember this time when I was um, exercising in our garage and it was very cold. So I was on a, I don't know, a treadmill or something and I had some paint, I had gloves on and I had a magazine in front of me and I was trying to turn the page of the magazine with the gloves on and it was really hard to do. And our daughter Penny, who has Down syndrome, has a harder time literally feeling things. Like that's just an aspect of physical disability for her. And so it's harder for her to manipulate objects. And I thought, gosh, it's kind of like wearing gloves all the time. And it gave me so much more compassion for her to try to turn the pages of this magazine with gloves on than I had ever had before. And I've heard about a group of parents who were once given, they had children with severe impairments to their eyesight, and they made a group of doctors made glasses so the parents could see the world the way the children saw the world without their glasses. 
And again, the parents were like, oh my gosh, like now that I can see the way you see, it's really, really different for me. And I do Mm -hmm. think that privilege, as you said, can get a bad rap and it can be a word that kind of triggers all sorts of feelings. But I think about it as just what are the unearned advantages that I have that other people don't have? And how can that give me compassion and empathy for other people? And what can I do with those unearned advantages that actually help to make the world a more welcoming and accessible place for more people? And gosh, there's going to be a day when somebody else has advantages that I don't have, and I will certainly hope that they have that same attitude towards me. Mm, That's terrific. That is a great call. Amy, I'm sorry that our time is up already. That's Amy Julia Becker. She writes beautifully and thoughtfully on issues related to disability. Amy Julia Becker is an award-winning writer and speaker. Uh, Her latest book, White Picket Fences, Turning Toward Love in a World Divided by Privilege. Talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. Talk to you soon. My great pleasure. Take a break. We're going to talk about Representative John Lewis laid to rest today. And today is World Day Against Trafficking in Person. Stick around. The Ride Home with John and Kathy here on Word FM. This Sunday, Harmony Baptist Church continues their summer outdoor church services with the award-winning Farm Hands Quartet. 7 p.m. August 2nd at Harmony Baptist Church in Newcastle. Don't miss this amazing evening drive-in service with one of the most exciting bluegrass bands in America. A free will offering will be taken. For details and directions, visit myharmonybaptistchurch.org. I know that on those tablets Mr. Moses brought down is the commandment to not covet. But I'll confess, my neighbor and his lawnmower is making it tough. He's got this stand-behind, ride-along space shuttle that covers probably three times more space than my trusty old lawn boy. So, when we have who mows the fastest races, which are completely fabricated in my head, he has some impressive advantages that I just don't have. And at our Faith and Family Mortgage Team, we're blessed to have a pretty special advantage of our own, and one that could be a big deal for you. Our team is lucky to be an arm of a bigger company that is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls, an advantage that often allows us to get you a better rate, saving you monthly and lifelong money on a refinance or new home purchase. We our United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Miller Park, Road, Melbourne, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to animalistconsumeraccess.org. Corporate animalist number 1330. Equal housing lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. Every bride is unique, and at URB Bridal Informal in Bethel Park, every dress is customized to celebrate her unique body shape. From size 00 to 36, high fashion, private label designs made to order, as flattering to your budget as they are to your neckline. Enjoy a personalized, no-pressure luxury shopping experience, complete with complimentary champagne and chocolate, and see the entire selection. Find a dress that celebrates you, because you are beautiful, at urbbridal.com. Planning a vacation can be a lot of fun, but preparing for retirement? Not so much. It's confusing. That's where Kevin Bach can help, showing you how to generate retirement income, how to choose a good Social Security claiming strategy, and how to help minimize your tax obligations. Call Kevin at 724-837-3553. 
Kevin Bach is not affiliated with the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. Insurance and annuities offered through Kevin Bach, PA Insurance License Number 352896. Coming down the home stretch is Liberty Mutual, followed by Customizes Your Car Insurance. But wait, from the back comes So You Only Pay for What You Need. So it's Liberty Mutual, Customizes Your Car Insurance, So You Only Pay for What You Need. And I'm pretty sure this is just an elaborate insurance ad. I was a little bit surprised, but so happy to see how eager patients were to return to the office. And their loyalty and their friendship means everything to us. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Today, Representative John Lewis laid to rest uh, after his body lying in state at the U.S. Capitol, uh, the first African-American to have done so. And uh, he was eulogized by three former presidents today, uh, President Clinton, President G.W. Bush, and President Barack Obama. Wow. Fabulous. Uh, did you see any of the uh, I did. The I, watched par- I watched part of the service, only maybe like the first 15 minutes, and then I had to go get ready for the show. But, um, but you can watch it online on, uh, I think I was on the New York Times website looking at it. Um, but a lot of, um, just a lot of kudos for a man who lived a truly amazing life. Yeah. I mean, you can't deny that, can you? I mean, to think about his yeah. work Obama with MLK. Said, Obama said something I really liked. Um, he said this, we're born with instructions to form a more perfect union. Explicit in those words is the idea that we are imperfect, that what gives each new generation purpose is to take up the unfinished work of the last and carry it further than any might have thought possible. Oh, that's fabulous. Good. Well, rest in peace, John Lewis. Uh, certainly uh, his presence in this country made this country better. Hey, um, today is, we don't want to let the show end without talking about this. Today is World Day Against Human Trafficking. And, you know, there's been obviously a lot of conversation about slavery uh, recently. But look, worldwide, worldwide, even today, millions and millions of people are held against their will. This is, you know, a gigantic profit center for a lot of people, whether it's sex trafficking or forced labor, people are just being held as just, just cattle against their will. So World Human Trafficking Day, uh, we should talk about this, pray about mm-hmm. it, Amen. do something to help those. If you see someone who you think that doesn't look right, that person, you know, something's out of place there in that market or yes. whatnot, then we should say something about it. Not yeah. to be, you know, a crazy Karen or a Ken, but if you see something, you know you see something odd. Uh, World Human Trafficking Day, people are being held in very dire conditions. That's right. This is a reality of today's world. And as we honor John Lewis today and we remember him, we think the struggle goes on. And it's not just for African Americans mm. and their equalities, for the equality of all people. Um, when you think of the uh, the human trafficking that goes on, especially in the Near East, I mean, you just you, you can take five minutes and read stuff online that'll change you forever. Yep. Um, so, John, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. On a much, much lighter note, mm-hmm. I do have to bring up the fact that this day in history, what? July 30th, was a remarkable day. 2005, mm. the Pens drafted one Sidney Crosby. Oh, yes. Was that a good day or whatnot? And it, what, do you remember he that looked, day? He, he looks like he's nine. Well, they called the him the kid. I mean, he looked like he was a kid, and for, you know, just until last year, maybe, or so. Right? Mm-hmm. But did he just start to shave last year? Mario looks like his older brother graduating from high school in this Listen, picture. <laughs> Mario and his family, what they did for Sid to bring him into their family. I mean, that's just incredible. And I think you only would see that in hockey 
There was something that was really beautiful yeah. about that relationship, and it, it shows in the Pittsburgh Penguins family. So that was a really, really good day. Yeah, and uh, the Pens are back. Uh, their ga- first game is Saturday. Is it Saturday night, Mike? I think I believe it's Saturday night. We're going to mm-hmm. be able to watch like hockey more until night on Saturday. You think so? Like one game after another? Uh-huh. Yep, that's the way it's okay, going to work. Good. All right, good. Well, I wonder how that's going to work. I mean, you know, Major League Baseball is taking a major hit with COVID and the Marlins and whatnot. We'll see how once professional sports starts to open up, you know. Listen, they've tested every – now that the hockey players are in the two bubbles, they've tested everybody. There's not one single positive in any of – in either of the two bubbles. Well, I believe, you know, of all the sports – Hockey, just because of the culture of hockey, has the best opportunity at yeah. success to eradicate a COVID within them so they can play the games. Right. So that's that would, cool. That would be awesome. Okay, Stan, let's win the Stanley Cup. This weird sprint towards the Stanley Cup. Okay. How exciting is that going to be? Yeah, let's go, Pens. Okay, go, Pens. All right, have a good night. We'll see you tomorrow, God willing. We're uh, streaming wordfm.com. Check it out. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.